welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise God. Good, good, good evening, everybody. and so delighted to see you tonight in church and those joining us online. Do you ever pick up a bottle of water and there's a little bit missing out of the top of it? And you're not 100% sure if it's your bottle or someone else's bottle. When Jesus said you can drink any deadly disease and it won't affect you, amen? Because I think Patrick Dobbins might have swiped us. But anyway, praise the Lord. Um, I, I'm one uh, born late in day. We need to be praying for Pastor Steve, who was meant to be ministering tonight. has been stricken down with this stomach bug that's going around. And called me uh, a couple of hours ago, said uh, he's uh, needing prayer. Well, that really means I need prayer. Amen. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't have a lot of time tonight. But you know what? The, the presence of the Lord is rich and adds no sorrow at all. And what a great opportunity for us just to be gathering tonight. And you to worship and to, to be in the presence of the Lord and to have fellowship with one another. If we, have, if we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another... The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Amen. That great thought, isn't it? As we walk in the light, as he is in the light. And uh, you're in the light if you put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior. You're in the light. Even though you might think you're walking through a shade, maybe you are. But the light of God is not outside of you. The light of God's inside of you. Amen. So whatever it feels like, it's only a feeling. It's far from the reality. The reality is... Christ in you is the hope of glory, and he has entered your life, and he loves you, and he's not leaving you where he found you. That's a great consolation to every one of us, but he is going to bring you to where he wants to bring you, which is not just a journey of discovery, it's a romantic journey of discovery of him, and his goodness, and his love, and the mysteries that he begins to unfold. There's a lovely song, it was uh, sang for many years at the Billy Graham um, conventions, it was written by, it escapes me now, but it was the old piano player. And the song was, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joys we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. And it's a song of intimacy with the Lord. And um, I pray that will be your song as you, as you walk with the Lord longer and longer, uh, that he become more de- endearing and closer to you than even a brother. Amen. Father, as we come around the Word of God tonight, we just thank you again for your presence, Lord. Uh, we thank you for what you're doing in all our hearts, God. We thank you that you, you never stop working, Lord. You're always drawing us. Your long-suffering is amazing, Lord. Your grace is amazing. And I just pray tonight, Lord, that um, as I share these thoughts, Father, they will be a blessing to your people, that they will honor you, Lord, and uh, lift up your name. But also, Lord, strengthen your church, God. That's our prayer tonight, that your name will be glorified and your people will be blessed. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Um, I have some thoughts tonight on, on, a, on, on a, a portion of Scripture. Now, we, we know of the, the Exodus story coming out of, out of Egypt and how God is establishing from one man, Abraham, he gives him a promise. I'm going to make you into a great nation. So he gives him a family. Out of that family, turns into a nation. Out of that nation, he gives them a homeland, the, the land of Israel. And out of Israel, the Savior of the world is to be born. So that's the whole Bible in a nutshell. So good night to you. 
so that's what it is. It, that's the plan. It's phenomenal. And then the, all your stories in between that are the historical accounts of men and women that trusted him and failed along the journey and failed miserably at that. And yet the faithfulness of God to constantly chase after the failures of humanity, the, you know, the, the indignity that God had to suffer to come down to the likes of us. Um, I was with Billy D.C., Sharon's dad. Uh, we're related to True Blood, obviously, today. We were just talking about the goodness of God. And he's dealing with cancer. He's dealing with a shunt in his lung and, uh, you know, quality of life that has been severely hampered. But we were just talking about how good God is to love any one of us. Yeah, you know, and that is the mystery of the love of God. The greatest truth about God is his love. They're all great truths, but the greatest is his love. Because truth be told, he shouldn't love any of us because we're just not that lovely. We, we can put on a good old facade from time to time, but there's cores of us friends that are very dark. And, um, and the whole history of the Bible is that men reverting back to the lower nature. And yet God's saying, I won't let that happen. I'm going to chase after you. Amen. So anybody here at the moment that's reverting back to the lower nature, you need to hear that God says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to chase after you. Amen. And that's the story of the goodness of God. And so Israel is at the precipice after 40 years, after being uh, emancipated from 500 years of slavery in Egypt, Moses, the 10 plagues, they wandered for 40 useless years in a desert because they simply wouldn't believe God when it came to push. When push came to shove, after all these incredible miracles, provisions that are like astronomical provisions, I mean, they saw stuff, friends, you know, that, you know, really, you need a good kick in the behind not to be trusting God from what they saw. I mean, they had manifestations that you and I, Jesus said, how much more blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. They had manifestation and it still hardened their hearts. And uh, so they wandered for 40 years, but eventually a generation arose that did take God at his word. And that nation was going to be led by Joshua. And when you read about Joshua, he's a type of Jesus. And actually, the Jewish name for Jesus is Joshua. Yeshua. It's a Joshua. It's an it's a, it's a adaptation of this exact same name, which, is de, which means deliverer. And so he's a deliverer. He's a type of Christ in the sense that he delivers the people you know, out of the desert and into the promises of God, into new land. And so there is, a, there is this land that's going to be subjugated, you know, a land to be inhabited, a land to be taken hold of, the promised land of the Bible. And so God told Moses years earlier, and then later on to Joshua, he, he gives them a sense of understanding what's ahead of you. And it's good that God dips his hand and gives us an understanding. You know, a lot of people... You know, they ask me about the, the, uh, the sort of apocalyptic books of Revelation because they're very full of allegory and imagery. And some of it is very dramatic. And why is it that it's not so easy quite to understand? And the reason is because God doesn't want you to fully understand it at all. He wants you to know that some cataclysmic things are going to happen. So don't be worried about it. The most important thing about Revelation is that you're at the end of the book, <laughs> that we overcome, that he overcomes, you understand? Because you're going to have trouble, and as the, the world comes to an end in its natural life, because the world is like a garment, the Bible says, that's kind of wearing out anyhow, and the climatists are all telling us it's wearing out, and NASA is spending billions and trillions to try to see if it can get us off to another planet one day when this one wears out. And so they're all very worried about this world. We shouldn't be because we know that this world will come to an end because the Bible tells us, but the Bible says that Christ is coming back for his church. Amen. So the reason I'm saying that is because there's many things that we don't quite understand and we're not to fully understand. We embrace it because we have a relationship with God. We understand 
We sense what God's doing rather than always understanding it. doesn't mean that we won't come into a clearer understanding of Revelation. We will. When the time is right, everybody will have the same eschatology. That means end times doctrine. I promise you that. Every Christian will converge on the same opinion when the Antichrist actually appears and when things actually start. Oh, I got a little bit wrong. It's him or it's that or whatever it's going to be. We'll all get it right at that stage. So, so there's, this, um, there's this journey in and God prepares He's dipping his hand uh, before they ever even go into the, into the land. And this is what the Lord wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 7 through Moses. And the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you. Now they're going into Canaan and it's, it's a lot of tribes in Canaan. Uh, they're very vicious people. They're a warrior people. They are not a passive people. They're a people that love to make war. And one of the reasons why they were being dispossessed out of this land is because they had become so vicious and such an evil rule to people. God says, I'm going to utterly destroy you. Forget about, you know, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth effectively because they're, they bred into their children even savagery, you know, and, and it was horrendous. You read some, you know, you can read about the, um, the different races of people that literally bore warrior nations. And they numbed even the conscience of their children that they could do atrocities. And this is what the Canaanites were famous for. And God says, I'm going to dispossess you of your land and I'm going to give Israel this land. And, uh, and, and so this is what God was doing. But this is what the Lord says. And the Lord your God would clear away these nations before you. Little by little. Come on, say it with me, little by little. Little by little. It's important for you to understand little by little is important. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God shall deliver them before you and will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. What a consolation. Amen. And uh, so I want to talk about growing little by little into the land. Uh, when the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, when the time came when, 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 when uh, Joshua was leading them across, at Gilgal, they rededicated themselves. You'll get an early Joshua chapter 4, I think it is. They rededicated themselves as a nation. The men were circumcised. There was that dedication. And, and, and there was a pronunciation by God over the nation. And he said, he said to Israel, he said, at this place, at Gilgal, they crossed over the Jordan, miraculous going over the Jordan. That was another where God dried the, the water right back up to the town of Adam. And they walked across in dry ground. And when they get to the other side, they, they rededicated themselves to the Lord. And the Lord said something fantastic to him. He says, today I remove the reproach of Egypt off you. That's a great thing. Wow, that, that means the shame of the past and their failures. Their bondage being determined by, by, by Egypt. You're nothing but a slave. You're nothing but low class. You're nothing but this. You're nothing but, you know, the nothing buts. It, you know, everyone has gone through that way. You're from the wrong side of the tongue. You're the wrong color skin. You're the wrong education. You're the wrong social strata. You're wrong. You're the wrong everything. And this reproach, you were nothing but a slave. You didn't even have an underpants. That's what they say years ago. You didn't, have, you didn't even have a, 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 a second pair of shoes. You didn't even have a pair of shoes. And so this sense of uh, not worthy was carried with them. And this sense of brokenness all the way through their lives. And God says, I'm removing that reproach from Egypt off you. You're no longer slaves. You're free. Clean and purged mind. So it's like really, it's like a conversion at Calvary for us. Gilgal to us is the cross of Calvary. It's there when we came to Calvary and, and the, the Lord circumcised our hearts. It's there Christ at Calvary declares you righteous. Amen. 
That's the blood lenses and what it stands for. So it's, the parallels, of course, are always, every parallel in the Old Testament is a, a small parallel to the bigger event of Calvary. So you always read it as a Christian, it's, it's a historical event. These actually happened, these were actually battles, these were actually personalities, but they're all cyclical and they're all, they all point to a, a greater battle that's to be fought on Mount Calvary where Jesus, our Savior, deals the death blow to the enemy. And so he said, and the Lord said, you know, uh, you know, God made that pronouncement of them, take the reproach from Egypt. And what a great picture, as he said, of Calvary. But praise God, you are clean tonight. And you need to embrace that as a Christian. First of all, if I give my life to Christ, repented of my sin, then I'm clean in the eyes of God. The reproach is gone. When you are in Christ, you are a new creature. And Joshua and the children of Israel had a life to outwork. So now they had, they had to outwork this new title of being the children of God and in, 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 in taking hold of a land that God says is theirs to take hold of. And they had to outwork that. And the, the Bible, again, says to outwork your salvation with fear and trembling. But remember, there's God who works within you to willing to do his good pleasure. But there is an outworking of the Christian life as there is with this life here. And, and so as they had to face many foes and enemies and difficulties, so we also in our life. The task is enormous, it's complicated, dangerous, full of pitfalls. Life is a series of many little races until we finish the ultimate race. It's like running a, it's like running a hundred year marathon. I'm sure there's a few get north of a hundred, but not too many of us. You know, and, and you hit many, as many athletes do, you hit many walls in that journey where they become more psychological and emotional walls that can sometimes try to discourage you from moving forward. Now, if you haven't had any of them, it means you're either an infant or you haven't lived long enough, okay? Because that is what life is. Life is not easy. Life is conflict. Life is a struggle. Life is full of great things, but it's, full, it's more full of not so great things. Life has its pleasures and its moments, but only to rob you, as the Ecclesiastic writer says at the end of his writings, all is vanity of vanities, says the preacher, like chasing the wind. Once I was a young man, now I'm old. You know, you leave it all behind and all the glories that Solomon had experienced, he now is looking at the demise of his body and his mind and his natural abilities and say, well, it was, it was just like a puff of smoke. Well, if it was just for three score and ten years that you're trying to live, then life is purposeless, friends. But it's not for just for that, it's for the destiny of ages, amen. Because the Christian has something burning within him, within her, that I am made for more. Because you are, hallelujah. You're made for purpose, you're made for eternity, you're made in the image of God. You're made to be with God forever. You're there to experience things that are far outside of your natural, normal realm. It's called a supernatural realm. And that's what God's called his people to enjoy with him. Israel had to go in. Our question shouldn't be, will it be smooth or rough? But how will it end? That's what your question should be. Don't ask yourself the stupid question, is it going to be smooth or rough? It's going to be both. But how it ends is in victory. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think anyone here is that dull of mind to think that it's going to be all plain sailing. You know, this, like life is some lazy river. Uh, have you ever been on a lazy river? I've been to Florida and you get into these water parks and they give you a big tube and I feel like a beached whale sitting in the tube, but I'm going on this lazy little, and then eventually it comes to a little rapids where they try to derail you. That ain't nothing. You know, the lazy river ends to a waterfall, you know, and life has its waterfalls, friends. Thank God today that we have a God that 
navigates us through the, the, the difficult parts of life. Disheartening feelings can try to assail your mind, attack your mind. Um, you know, the presence of spiritual opposition is all around us. Our enemies are neither weak nor few, and we do well not to underestimate them. Don't underestimate the enemy. He's formidable. Don't think for one second. I, I remember seeing the movie. Can't remember. It's probably one of those real old carnal movies back in the day. But what, one of the lines was, one of the greatest tricks of the devil is that he's persuaded the world that he doesn't exist. Ah, it's just a figment of your imagination. Oh, Sam Smith. He's dancing and prancing around the place. But little does he know, the smoke is burning him up. He doesn't realize one day he's going to stand before Almighty God and all that jiving and moving around the place. Oh, I tell you what, Sam, you need to get right with God. If you're listening tonight, God loves you, but there is a real devil and he's wringing his hands waiting for you unless you turn to Christ. And Christ, if you turn to me, I'll save you. Okay, what you've done, Sam, I don't care what you said. I don't care who you've been with. I don't care what confusion is in your gender. I made you a man and I will love you as a man and I'll save you as a fallen man and I will lift you to be an exalted man. What a great gospel. Isn't that awesome, isn't it? Hallelujah. I love the gospel because it doesn't exclude anybody. It doesn't turn me off. The perversion of a man doesn't, the perversion turns me off, but it doesn't turn me off the man. God loves all men, all women, without exception. And Sam is no exception. Sam is loved as much as we are. Isn't that right? Isn't that an awesome God? Amen. Our enemies are not a few are weak. We do well not to underestimate them. We live in a day of intense worldliness. Unbelieving sciences, infidelity, infidel philosophies, rationalism in the church. You see the, new, the newest game with the Church of England. God, I hate to call it out, but the, heres the heresy that they're bringing in their doors by accepting gay marriage and transgenderism as, and, and trying to get rid of you know, the, the scriptural norms. I'm telling you, what perversions we live in. I mean, Jesus warned us about that. You know, you want to turn away from the word of God, well, you can turn to fables and you can turn back to paganism and you can turn back to rationalism. But I want to tell you, study your history. None of those philosophies ever, ever bettered humanity at any level. And actually, in fact, it brought them down to the pit. The larger part of this globe is still unoccupied by the gospel. Heathen systems are in possession supported by the combined influences of traditional custom, prejudice, and superstitions. They present to us an apparent impregnable front. Apparent impregnable front. I emphasize the apparent. Brothers and sisters, God is for us. He is mightier than our enemy. I say it again, he is mightier than our enemy. Winning the whole land seems too great a task for our senses or for our sight. We must gain victory over the evil within as well as around us. Both problems are vast. Can you agree with me? And if the world isn't bad enough, I have to contend with me. And I think this is where I'm going to go more with tonight because, you know, God says, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to win this world. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to defeat the enemy in this world. But there's also, we're going to talk about the beasts, okay? There's some beasts that are going on in all of our lives. The more we see our own hearts, the more we see the world around us, the more appalling seems the proposal of God. You can get overwhelmed as a Christian with both problems. Me, I've got so much stuff to be dealt with, and this world is getting darker. But the name of thy God is the greatest guarantee of all. Christ is your guarantee. 
I, the Lord, your God, will go before you and I will clear thy way. Hallelujah. That is the promise of our Savior. I'll go before you and I will clear the way. And if God is not on our side, then friends, there is, there is nothing but weakness, whatever the trial. But if God is on our side, there is power regardless of the weakness. And I praise God for that. I thank God today, regardless of the weakness, there's power on our side because God is on our side. Amen. God's way is the little by little, the step by step. You can face things that are mightier than you, and you will, and you will have to. You will face your Goliaths. You will face enormous situations in life. The trials and tasks teach us our total dependence upon him. Too much, too quick is never a good Christian. I have young people, young Christians, young in the Lord, and they think that because they give their hearts to the Lord that all of a sudden it's like Dorothy clicking her heels and you're back in Never Neverland or wherever she was from. No, friends, it's little by little. God's ways you walk. It's a walk. It's not even a run. It's a race. Yes, it is. But we walk the walk. Amen. We, 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 it's a fight, yes, but we don't fight in our strength. We fight in what he's already done for us. It's a walk of faith all the way. Too much, too quick is a very big pitfall. A lot of people come up the altar calls and they think we can cast the flesh out of them. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I remember seeing some dopey preacher try to cast, uh, literally cast the fat out of somebody. I was saying, God, please let it work. I'm going to go to that man's ministry. <laughs> Rebuking the fat off people. You know, I was thinking, let me see how far that gets you, you know. And trying to cast the flesh out. You can't cast the flesh out. This is the beast, you see. You hear what he said to Joshua? You're not going to defeat the enemies all that quickly. I'm going to leave a lot of enemies there in that land because... If I take all the enemies out, the wild beasts in the land will overcome you because the land was infested by beasts. And, you know, I, I, I was wrestling with this thought. Why does God leave so many enemies in my life? Have you ever asked that question? Why has God left so many enemies in my life? And the question is, is answerable, friends, and it's real. You might not want the answer, but it's real. God said to Joshua, I'm leaving the enemies there. I will ultimately get them. You don't worry about that. But I'm leaving them there because there's beasts in you that need to be kept down. And when we look at our old nature, when we talk about the old nature, it's not gone. It's still there. We reckon it dead in the light of what Christ has brought, the new nature of God. But that old nature is still in us. It's still evil. It's still dark. And you know what it is? It's full of pride. And it's full of self-ambition. And it's full of self all the time, friends. And we all know it as Christians. You know, I think it was Proverbs 30 when the writer says, Lord, don't give me, I'll paraphrase it for you. Don't let me have so much that I would forget you. Or so little that I would have to go stealing. You know, so he understood the trap of his nature. And I want to tell you, you can't have too much of a good thing. You can have, you know, you can be flying high. You're the one in the church that says, your career is doing great and you got great health and you got a beautiful girlfriend or boyfriend and life is looking great for you. And then the poor pathetic creature next to you, Ugh, you know, yeah, who are you? You got no faith, you got no class. You can rise up in your heart. I want to tell you, there is a beast there that God is going to put an enemy in your path so that you will see how vulnerable you still are and how totally reliant you're going to have to be on the mercy and grace of God. It's not a nice thing to think, is it? That 
still raging within us, this battle that rages within us. Jacob wanted too much too quick. He did. He wanted the right thing, but thought he could arrive there. Some Christians think they can just arrive. They do. They don't think they, they think they can short circuit it. There is no short circuiting this Christian race, friends. Nobody gets a shortcut. If you do, and you find it, if you do, then I'm going to complain to God because I could not find it. Why should you get a shortcut and the rest of us take the long road? Amen. You arm yourself. This is a long life, and you arm yourself that you have to suffer. You arm yourself that you have to deny self. You arm yourself with the understanding that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And when that flesh begins to kind of start to self-boast and exalt itself among its peers, and somehow think it is entitled within the church or within life, let me tell you, God says, I'm going to need to send an enemy your direction. I don't want to, but I'm going to let that boss really jump on your shoulder. I'm going to send you the boss from hell. I'm going to cause you to fall on your knees and come to me again and humble yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I just, you know, these, David calls these, King David says, these are actually the wounds of a friend. This is not God saying, I want to be spiteful to you. I'm going to cut you down to size. No, no, he says, I see what's happening. Oh my God, I see what's happening in you. I see that nature, it's destroying your testimony. It's destroying the virtues and characters and the fruit that I want to bring in your life. It's, it's derailing what I'm trying to do and I won't have it. I will not let that happen in your life. I'm too good of a savior to let that spoil. So what does he do? He sends in an enemy. But he also tells you, you don't have to worry about that because I've defeated the same enemy. Yeah. Hallelujah. The enemy is completely defeated. But I have left enemies in this land, he said, so that the beasts don't go too numerous. And I began to say, God, you are so far ahead of me. You know me better than I know myself. He's been saving people for a long time. He, there is nothing new about your dilemma or my dilemma. There's nothing new about your, your particular sets of circumstances. There's not a woman or a man hasn't gone through either a mental illness, breakdown, infidelities, sin, backbiting, violence. It's happened. Whatever's happened to you has happened to others, friends. And God has been saving them down through the centuries. He knows exactly where you are. The big thing that the enemy can kind of say to you, you're the only one who's ever like this. You're the only one in the whole world. No, that's not true. It's not true. There's other men and women have gone through equal anguishes and pain. And God met them. And if he met them, he can meet you. He doesn't love you any less. He doesn't love them any more. He loves all the same. But sometimes the, sometimes the enemies are put there so that we can, it causes us to fall on our knees. It could be a sickness, friends. It could be a disaster of life. But it's there that God says, I'm working a higher purpose in you. Because something along the road, sometimes it's to develop your faith. Sometimes it's not because of anything you did. But, you know, sometimes God says, I need you to know what it is to trust me without nothing. Job did no sin. He committed no sin. But I want to tell you what God, 
showed to us as in an immortal sign of Job that regardless of the circumstance, a man or a woman can hold their integrity before God, grow beyond the, sin for, uh, the, the weaknesses, and see a life that was twice better than what his previous life was because Job got twice as much back in every way and he had the comfort and the experience of walking with God regardless of the temptation to listen to bad counsel and silly advice. He said, no, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I feel like I could curse right now, but I put my hand over my mouth. That's the sentiment of Job. I feel like I'd scream to the heavens, he said. But I put my hand over my mouth because God is doing something. Whatever your circumstances tonight, and I don't even have the faculty to take in even, uh, sometimes pastoring, or my pastor's notes. We don't, we're not oracles. We don't have the capability all the time. And, and that can be disappointing to many. But the reality is that's the truth. But we have a God in heaven that's well able to meet you. And if you would embrace his word tonight, you would begin to rise above and sense that he's doing something in you. Jacob wanted a noble thing but chased after carnally. He thought he can get from point A to point Z, short-circuited. Look where that got him. Friends, we must not, must not try to win a battle to occupy the land through one rapid victory. That's not, if that's your theology, you are going to be perpetually <laughs> disappointed if your theology is that I must always be wealthy and healthy and living above life well I want to tell you point me in the direction just one person in history outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and he died at 33 point to me something wrong with your theology sometimes God allows these things sometimes God is working something greater I look at Tony Lissard I scratch my head but I know one thing, the seed of corn must go into the ground and, and die unless it abides alone. And I see that what God's doing to the death of one man, you do not know. I do not know the ripple effect upon family members and watching how many got saved, how many got linked to the word of God, how many people in their journey were Im immeasurably moved by the life of this man. Yeah. I buried another woman last week, Joan Mooney, lovely Christian lady. We were... We were related to marriage. Her, her daughter, Sarah, comes to church now, was married to my brother, and they, they had a painful divorce. It was horrible, terrible. It led to family strains, as you can imagine, and all. I don't go into it, and I'm not even trying to portion blame. It's not what I'm trying to say. But I, you know, I saw on her before she died, she wanted to meet with him. And she would just, she said, Forgive me for being bitter towards you. And he said, Forgive me for what I've done. And they wept together. And I want to tell you, we buried her in Dublin. Most of her, all of her family, bar her daughters, are not Christians. And I've preached the gospel. Her life first was John 3.16, and I said, I can't. I said, I have to explain to you what, why this is her life first, John 3.16. And they heard the gospel. They heard I had it captivated. The seed of corn had to fall into the ground. 64, 64 years of age. You could say she didn't even get a three score and ten. What's going on there, God? Let me tell you, friends, her debt was like a Samson debt. She, she killed more of the effects of the enemy in her death than she did in all the 64 years of living. She brought more of the reputation down of God because I want to tell you, friends, in her death, the Lord was glorified and we don't live for three score and ten. We live for eternity, amen. We, we say we are only wanting what you want, Heavenly Father. And that is the, the heart of a Christian man. It's a series of little victories all the way. Jacob had to find out this. His plans fell apart. He was... He was found out, friends, with his short-circuiting. I want to tell you, whether you like it or not, this world 
It's going to keep the beast in you humbled. It's going to do it. Going to do it. Not even the pastor. A lot of people say, oh, you need to have a chat with him. I know. I said, I let his older brother have a chat with him. He can give him the right hand of fellowship. <laughs> no, I didn't even go. I let the boss deal with him. You know, you might get away with it in the house of God here because we are apparently polite and nice, which we are. That world won't take it off you. Amen? You may, you, you may, you may treat your brothers and sisters callously here. But I tell you, man, someone's going to take you around the shed later on out in that world and teach you a lesson or two, <laughs> verbally or physically. The world is a great way of humbling us. A great way of humbling me. It causes me to f- humble myself, get on my knees before God, and say, I desperately need you, Lord. And when I do that, I'm taking more of the land, little by little. Yeah. Tori said it this way. In his great book, The Incredible Christian. Was it Tori? No, it wasn't Tori. He'll come to me afterwards. The Incredible Christian is a great book. We have a title. He says, when I'm going up, I'm on the way down as a Christian. But when I'm down, I'm on the way up. <laughs> the contradiction of Christian life. I am taller when I'm on my knees. I'm stronger when I'm weaker. When I'm strong, I'm beginning to get weak. It's a paradox, friends, because there is that genius of walking with God and the genius of him bringing himself to reputation and affecting the world through your diamond, shining out of different aspects of your life at different places and faces, bringing glory to his name, bringing testimony to his name and shining out to light into the recesses of this dark world that you and I don't even fully comprehend. Little by little, little by little, trials will cause you to flee to God Remind us of our total dependence on him. Praise God. Little by little. Lest the beast of pride and selfishness rise up in you. Lest you think you can boast above your Christian peer. Lest you can think I am better than her. Better than him. I deserve no, no, no. If that attitude comes, you find God sends an enemy. And that enemy forces you on your knees again. And you say, oh God, I need to put this to death. And then he fights that enemy for you. That is why God allows enemies in our life. Because he will not let you be destroyed by your stinking pride and arrogance. All right. And some of us, we hold out longer than others. And that's why it could be a bit later in life when we start coming into the victories. It's an awful pity, isn't it? That some of us learn, it takes us so long to learn. And we scour ourselves a little bit. We hurt ourselves a little bit. Unnecessarily, it's not necessary right now. Whatever you're dealing with, humble yourself in the eyes of God. Let me tell you, humble yourself under the hand of God. And the Bible says, he will lift you up. And the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you, little by little. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God shall deliver them before you. That is a promise. And will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. Embrace the little by little. And walk the journey the rest of your life 
And don't think that one altar call up here, Pastor Nick can wave his hand over you, or any other pastor for that matter, Pastor Joe around the world, some other big wig in America, or wherever they come, they can just wave a hand over you, and Alakabam, it's all gone. Oh no, it's little by little. It's a Christian walk. And when the enemies come in, say, Lord, why'd you just send this one? And ah, there's a beast in you that's going to, it's going to take you down. I'm going to get that beast out of you first. Can you say amen? amen? Can you just thank him for his wisdom? Can you say, God, you're just so far ahead of me? He'll say, I know, I've been doing this a long time. And I've got you in the palm of my hand. And no one will pluck you out of there. Isn't that awesome? The enemies come, but they won't pluck you out of their hand. It'll just drive you to your knees. And do something in you that begins to cause you to flee into his presence again. Beware of the good days. Beware of the long summer days where all you do is dream your life away about some parasol and under, lying on a sunbed somewhere and feeding yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But life is not that either. Life is a race to be run, enemies to be evicted, and a kingdom to be manifested. And that's the Christian life. It's not an argument about talking about new covenant, grace, or doctrine. It's about evicting the enemies, setting up a lampstand, and seeing others come to Christ. And we sacrifice an awful lot of ourselves for that endeavor. May God help us to live this life the way he wants us to live. Amen. Let's give him praise tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's our teaching. I want to pray before we go. Let's there be just one online or one here tonight. And I don't want to belittle your struggle and I don't want to belittle the, the, the fight that you're in. This is not to do that. If I come across in any way flipping, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to establish with you that it's common to us, friends. And God, in the midst of the battle you're in, God is in it and God has allowed it. We don't always understand our purposes. Sometimes later on when we come through it, he reveals to us why it was. And sometimes we don't know. But we trust him anyhow. Because in doing that, something rises in us. It's called the presence of God. The manifestation of his spirit rises in it. The glory of God rises in us. And something is evident. Me and Andy had a little funny moment tonight there during worship. Where he brought coffee into the sanctuary. Left it under my seat, and I kicked it, and it poured all over the floor. And poor Jess had to run, and he had to mop it up. And then he comes over to me with that lovely smile and says, the earthen vessel got broken. <laughs> and I said, there wasn't a lot of good came out of that earthen vessel. I hope better comes out of you. And he laughed at that lovely smile again. But that's what God wants to see in you and me, that when the earthen vessel breaks, the glory of God comes out. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for our church here, my dear friends. My brothers and sisters, who I love dearly here, and those family and friends and watching online, I pray for us all that we will embrace the little by little. We will even embrace, God, Lord, the chastisements that have to come, Lord, to keep those beasts under control. And we understand you use every instrument at your disposal to do that. Every son that you love, you chastise. And Lord, you do it not because you have any hatred for us or you're trying to inflict pain on us, it's because, Lord, you don't want to see those beasts rule our lives. I thank you, Lord, that your, your wounds are the wounds of a true friend. That you save us from ourselves. You separate us from that what used to be ourselves. And, Lord, you promise us 
an absolute victory that you have already won. And now, Lord, you're going to bring to bear in our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Bless the Lord tonight. God bless you to come into court, church. Stay for chips downstairs and teas and coffees. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.